Turn in your Bibles to Exodus. Exodus 28, starting with verse number 2. And we're going to look at something that maybe you never give much consideration to. And hopefully it will be a help to you. And before we read, let me pray. Father, we ask and pray, Lord, for this service today. God, may it be a special time of drawing from your word and drawing from your spirit. And we ask and pray, Lord, that every person here be attentive. God, that they would sit up and take note and be ready and willing to what you have for us this day. God, I pray that you'd quieten any baby that would, that would stir and be restless. God, help every person here to be fully attentive of your word that's going to happen to be accomplished today. In Jesus' name, amen. Exodus 28, verse number 2. God's word to Moses. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, thy brother, for glory and for beauty. You don't have to look drab to be quote-unquote holy. I had a guy tell me that one time about a woman. He's seen her in Walmart, and she looked so holy. And I couldn't let it pass. I couldn't let that pass. I said, now, come on. Is that where we're really at in all this? Because God's view of this is a little bit different. That's even like a building. They say, oh, well, that building is just a little, they spend a little bit too much money on that building. Really? Really? Because if you really want to view that in accordance with Scripture, they think that Solomon's temple cost anywhere from 6 to $20 billion, and God's Spirit was poured out upon that building the day Solomon prayed the prayer. So I just have a little trouble with, with all of this. Uh, uh, if you look drab, and ladies, if you look like you just walked off a wagon train, ooh, you really look holy. I don't believe that. I don't buy that. Or if you ain't got any makeup on, come on now. I've seen barns that need a fresh coat of paint from time to time. That don't hurt neither. That don't hurt. That don't hurt. And now make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. He looked good. He looked good. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Minister unto me is God's word. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe. It says here, an embroidered coat, but really we're talking about a tunic, a miter, and a belt. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and for his sons, that Aaron may minister unto me in the priest's office. I need the high priest, if the high priest is ready, I need him to walk out on stage for me. Is the high priest ready? Here comes the high priest. Oh, yeah. Here comes the, here's what the high priest would have looked like. Yeah. Now, I want to give credit where credit's due. My 
Thank you. Right there, Joe. This is the um, workmanship of Irish Shell, my mother. That is some good-looking stuff right there. What we have here is, is the miter. What we have here is the ephod. This is the breastplate. This is the robe. And this is the tunic that he wore. And we see here that there were, just like as the Bible tells us, there were bells and pomegranates. And we will look at a little more fully on what that represented and what that meant as well. I'll tell you another thing. In this, and you don't see this, and he assured me that he had this on, he also has some uh, jogging shorts on or jogging pants because you realize that in the Bible, this is the first time the word breeches and pants is used is about this with the high priest because there came a time to when he walked, getting ready to walk into the holy of holies, all of this he took off. All that was left on was this right here and we'll call it the jogging pants that was underneath. He was going to walk into God's presence. Nothing else except this and this undergarment that was on. Do you know that he couldn't even sweat in the Holy of Holies? Because there ain't no sweat in God's presence. Wasn't allowed to sweat. You need to look at your neighbor and say, there's times that we just don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. God's in charge. Don't sweat it. Thank you, high priest. I'll call back for you a little bit later. Six pieces of clothing. In Ephesians, in the New Testament, we have six pieces of armor. So there is a similarity from the Old Testament to the New Testament. All the other tribes received an inheritance, not the Levitical tribe. The tribe of Levi, God said, your inheritance is me. And how they lived was off of the tithes that the rest of the tribes brought into the tabernacle and later on into Solomon's temple. That was the livelihood that the priests were able to live from. Their living came from the tithe. The Levite did not till the ground. Their commitment was unto the Lord and to help his people. But the problem is after you do all that ministering, you still want to eat afterwards. So that's where the tithes came in, and the Levites had to be good stewards of what had been given unto God. Now, let me, and I've made this a point a few months back, or maybe a year ago, time gets by. The way I see this in the ministry, and the minister, and the resources, is a man on a horse riding through a desert, and he's got a canteen full of water. The man is the minister. The horse is the ministry. And the canteen is the resources. And if the minister drinks all of the water 
the horse will die. I've known this happen in churches to where the pastor gets basically everything that comes into the church and the church goes in total disrepair and for, and for lack of funds because the pastor's getting everything. That is not according to the Bible. On the other hand, if you've got the church, the horse, drinking the water, well, how's the, how's the horse? Drink the water from the canteen. Oh, won't you ever watch John Wayne? He takes his hat off and he pours the, the water into the hat and the horse drinks. And if the pastor does that and allows the church to drink every bit of the resources that is there, once they get to where they're trying to go, the pastor will not have the strength or may be dead of the time they're trying to get to where they're going. The correct way is for the horse to drink a little bit and the guy drink a little bit. The church drinks a little bit and the minister drinks a little bit. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. This is how the Bible has set this up. And whether you realize it or not, your life is impacted for the positive by good ministry. And once a year, the high priest, only the high priest, went into the Holy of Holies to offer that blood sacrifice on the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat that was on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Not someone else. Not someone, well, that guy's better looking than the high priest. That guy's got more talent than the high priest. That guy's got more social standing than the high priest. Only the high priest and him once a year. Well, preacher, this is my church and I can do whatever I want. You are mistaken. God does everything in order. And because, and this is where we've got before, because you don't have order at your house and you come to Orchardville Church and we do have order and you get mad at the preacher, I don't know what to tell you on that. Nothing happens supernaturally until there's order. Let me give you for instance, Jesus feeding the multitude. And your Bible says 5,000, there could have been easily 15,000. 5,000 men. How many knows that not just men showed up that day? How many knows that there were probably more women than men? Unless you go to Orchardville Church. How many knows that there's a whole lot of kids? How many knows that 51% of the congregation at Orchardville Church are people that's 18 and younger? There easily was 15,000 people that were there that day. Oh, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm, I want something and I want it now. I want it done my way. That's what I've seen at Burger King. I want it now. And Jesus tells the disciples, set everybody down in groups of 50. 15,000 people, and everybody's got to be in groups of 50. And they were people that was hungry there, and they wanted to be fed right now. And you know what happened? They had to wait. Because Simon Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel and all the rest of them are doing, 
1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Hey, turn, no, come over here. No, no, you're out of order. I messed up now. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, Every one of that doing that, getting to where every person, every group was in groups of 50, and then God was willing to do the supernatural. This happened, I don't remember now how many months back, but in Jason Craddock's Sunday school class, Kristen Bolt received Jesus as her salvation. And I'm telling you, what a wonderful Sunday school class that should and would have been. Now, the very next week, George Thomason tells me, Kristen started paying tithe the very next week. The following week after that, Kristen started volunteering. You know what's going on? Divine order was being presented in her life. That's a great thing. That's a great thing. Now, only, again, only the high priest could go in behind the veil in that once a year. Let me explain it like this. Let's say, not because I'm up here, but this is the easiest way to do it. Let's say that this up here, there was a huge veil. We, they sang a song last week on the veil. We're going to sing a song today for the altar call on the veil. Huge veil that separates the holy of holies from the holy place. Outside those doors in the foyer is the outer court. And if we was in Solomon's temple, outside, outside, go past the doors and go outside on the striped gravel, you have got the court of the Gentiles. So there was a separation point, and one time a year, the high priest came in one time a year, and he went through the, the court of the Gentiles. From there, he went to the outer court. From there, he was with where the other priests were at in the, in the holy place, and then one time a year, only the high priest, he went beyond the veil. What was going on was an open heaven. God was there in a big way, in a big way, in a major way. God was there beyond the veil. I mean, you're talking about the, the, re the rest of the priests, not the high priest, but the rest of the priests are standing right here. The veil is here, and their, and their hand is here against the veil. And they know that when Aaron goes in, he's in there with God. God's in there. The manifest presence of God is behind and beyond that veil. And Aaron went in there to offer up the blood one time a year, and open heaven was going on. In Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel received an open heaven while among the captives. I'm thankful that God, well, he will allow us to be able to get, receive from him even when there are times. Where is he sitting? This guy's sitting among the captives. It's a rough time. It's a tough time. There are slaves there. It is not a great day for Israel. And yet, he experienced an open heaven even during difficult times. That speaks good things to me. I don't have to be sitting in a church service to receive from God. In Mark chapter number 1, listen as I read, verse number 9, and it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth and was baptized of John in the Jordan. 
And straightway, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened. Here we got it again. An open heaven and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The father spoke from heaven. What is this picturing? The death. The burial, the resurrection of Jesus, the veil, an open veil to where the veil will be torn and then whosoever will can come in and receive from the grace of God. Thank God for that. And for 2,000 years, that veil has been rent open to where anybody could be born again. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. It's like the Jehovah Witness. They believe only 144,000 get saved. And I told a guy one time, a Jehovah Witness, well, you know, there's more than 144,000 Jehovah Witnesses. And I go, yeah. I said, well, what's that mean? Only the good-looking ones get in? <laughs> Whosoever will. In Acts chapter 7, the story with Stephen, and I'll tell you what. I don't know what death's going to be like. I've heard Wilford preach before that he's been right there with people when they have died. I was there just within the last three or four months, a, a man that I worked with uh, for years and years. I was right there when he passed away. I don't know exactly how death is going to be, but I'll tell you this. It may not be quite like what we've got it pictured in our mind. It may not be, and I don't, don't I'll just get me what I'm saying here. It may not be near as bad and scary as we think. And I see this in the book of Acts with Stephen having the life pummeled out of him as rocks are being thrown on him and his life being forced out of him. And during all of that, what does he do? He looks up into heaven and he sees Jesus. This guy with rocks being thrown on him is being distracted by what's going on up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, death with the pain that was going with having the rock smashed upon him. And this guy is being distracted by that because he sees Jesus up in the heaven. Thank God. Thank God. And open heaven. Jesus giving him a standing ovation. And, and give you another place on this. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his own flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Jesus, our high priest. Jesus, our high priest. Let me tell you something. When you know you're loved, you have access. When I go over at mom's house, please, if the baby's not going to stop crying, I ask you to take the baby out. I'm not being mean. I just, I need help here. Right here. When I go over at mom's and I do this number, I knock on her door. You know the next words I say? It's me. I don't even have to use my name. It's me. You know what mom does? She opens the door on up. It's me, it's me. When I pray, you know, I don't have to say, uh, uh, it's, it's Mark H. Shell. You know, that's, yeah, what? At H, I hate to admit it, but it stands for Howard. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to do any of that. I say, it's me. Because when you're, when you're loved on the other end, you've got access. You can be able to just go right on in. Lord, 
It's me. I need the, uh, if the high priest is ready, I need the high priest again. Come and help me, please. How many can hear the bells? Yeah. We have a bell. We have a pomegranate. We have a bell. A bell, a pomegranate, a bell. A gift, a fruit, a gift. A gift, a fruit, and a gift. In 1 Corinthians, the Bible talks about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter, anybody? 12. There's a, there's a bell. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Bible talks about, anybody? The fruit of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Bible once again starts talking about the there you go, the bells, the gift. We have got, right sandwiched there in the middle, we have got the bell, we've got the pomegranate, we've got the bell. We've got the gifts of the Spirit, we've got the fruits of the Spirit, we've got the gifts of the Spirit again. God is showing us this within the garments that the high priest wore. And let's just review here, we're talking about the holy mitre upon his head, the ephod, the breastplate with how many stones? Different, 12. Each one representing the 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 tribes' names on stones are engraved up here on his shoulders representing that the high priest carried because of his job and his work and his love for the people of Israel, carried the tribes upon his shoulder. So a perfect representation of what God is wanting to do both in the, in the Old Testament and also within the New Testament. And the high priest, what he would do, now think of this. This is whatever size it is. But in the, in the, the day of, of Solomon, the same measurements. In the day of Moses, the same measurements for the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was 15 feet wide, 15 feet deep, 15 foot tall. And what he did, he stood right down here. Now he is in the holy place. From here, the rest of the priest helped him take off this. They took off the breastplate. They took off the ephod. They took off right here with the robe. They took off the belt. He's left with having right here the tunic on. Now, I've heard this being taught before years ago to where he walked in and he had all those things on. Not so. When he walked in, this is it. This is it. This is all that he's got. He walks on in. And everybody that's out here, they're waiting. Will God accept what's being done here today? 
Because if God will accept the blood that's being placed upon this, our sins will be clean and pure and washed away from us for that whole year. Will God accept what's going on here? And then what happened when he would walk back through the veil and here he is, the high priest again, and now all the other priests would be happy and what they did while they was, this is all in Hebrew, you can find this in, in, in the Hebrew writings to where they would look at each other and they would say these words, he's alive. He's alive. And they would start taking and putting the miter back on and they'd put the robe back on and they would put the ephod on and they would put the breastplate on and they'd put the belt back on and then he would begin walking through. Go ahead, Joe. He'd begin walking through and all of them are saying, he's alive. He's alive. And still now, the people outside can't hear, but when he would walk outside and then they, 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 as he would walk outside, they'd say again, he's alive. And then now you got three million plus people waiting to know what's going on here and it just got more broad and more broad and more broad and more broad where you had all the people say, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. I'm telling you what, this is a perfect simile, a facsimile of what Jesus done 2,000 years ago for us. Heaven is 1,500 miles tall, it's 1,500 miles long, and it's 1,500 miles wide. There's the 15 again. 15 by 15 by 15. And the Bible talks about Jesus going beyond the veil, that is to say his own flesh, and with his own blood, not the blood of a bull or a calf or anything like that or a lamb. He took his own blood and he sprinkled it upon the mercy seat that was on the Ark of the Covenant. And then he went, watch this, 10 Days later, after the, after the disciples were told to go and, and tarry and wait for your being due with power from on high, the Bible said, and suddenly they heard something. It's the same as them hearing the bells. And they know something that day on the day of Pentecost. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound of a mighty rushing wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and they were filled with the Spirit of God and began to speak with other tongues. And from there that day they began publishing the same word that they spoke thousands of years before that. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. One of my favorite presidents, well, he was our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation and by doing that, freed all of the slaves. Now, do you realize it wasn't like everybody got a text message. It took a while for that, for that word to get around everybody. But when it started getting out to those plantations, it didn't matter what the owner of the plantation said. It didn't matter. Right. You've been here for 20 years. You're staying. Oh, no. I don't have to because who the president sets free is free indeed. Right. I can leave. I can leave. 
And they took off and they left those plantations when slowly and surely the word got around to them that they were free men and women. I'm going to tell you something. If you can understand that, you can understand this. Jesus, our high priest, offered his own blood upon the mercy seat and who the Son sets free is free indeed. What I'm trying to do is what writers done over a hundred years ago as that mailman finally got there and the word came to the plantations, you people are free. And I'm trying to do exactly the same thing in 2011 to let everybody know whether they realize it or not, you people are free and you don't have to live like a slave. See, I'm the mailman that's riding up to your house and delivering you the good news. That who the president, who the son has set free is free indeed. People that are hooked, whether it's on cocaine or, or any type of drug or any type of liquor or any type of, of sexual sin, any type of thing that they've got going in their life, Jesus says, I've set you free. And we can walk into that kind of freedom. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, this morning, we're asking and praying for you to deal with the hearts of every person that's here and for people to say yes to that freedom and that forgiveness. We thank you, God, and we praise you for what you're doing in this place. Oh, we thank you and praise you, God, for uh, the, the souls that's going to be born again this day because, Lord, I'm believing that people have seen it knowing that what Lincoln did for the slaves, Jesus has done for us. He has set us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Your love is pure. Your love is precious. Your Your love is precious Your love is 
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677. I saw Jesus